Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. Can you believe it? We're all together in a podcast setting over Zoom. (laughs) I can't remember the last time we've done a podcast. can't remember the last time we've done one as a trio. It all seems so vague now. Um, All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) Uh, How how have you been, Paul? I've been all right. I mean, you're asking me a few days after we've won four, one away from home in the league. So I'm good in the context. You want to go straight in with the football? Sure, Dave. No, it does affect my mood a lot more than it did under the previous ownership i think now yeah it was pretty uh it was a pretty enjoyable saturday afternoon watching that with our our vpms and our uh, vpns and <laughs> subscriptions well i didn't get to watch it until after i got back from the football because i oh, went yeah. I, I took my three-year-old boy uh to stockport versus walsall at edgeley park and for for 75 minutes, he had a wonderful old time, and then he got too restless, and he was just calling all over the place, so we left. He got to see the team in blue win 1-0. Um, he did keep saying, I want the blue ones to score. I don't want the black ones to score. Right. So I kept having to like <laughs> loudly talk over him and say, the ones in black, no, we don't want the ones in black to score. Um, but it was good. It was fun. He enjoyed it. He was a, shouting, come on, Stockport County, very loudly with his little... Five minutes with a three-year-old is very successful. Yeah. I, I, I definitely couldn't have done it without um, cocaine. No, I definitely couldn't have done it without um, another dad and his three-year-old lad who's friends with mine. Right. Because um, <clears throat> they entertained each other. It was nice. No, it was really, really good fun. Um, My son... Uh, I had football training today and last Tuesday, 
And from what he's told me so far, he's had two weeks of football training so far. And uh, he's following in my school footballing career, it seems, because so far, from what I can glean, he hasn't uh, kicked the ball yet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever have the sort of daydream slash fantasy of getting involved in their coaching and being so good at coaching that you progress all the way up the ladder into (laughs) Premier League football management? I haven't, but I'll, oh, I will good now. One. If you're struggling to sleep, just think, just think about the whole pyramid. Sure, I mean it's possible. Toby, you're going to be a false nine. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was just going to say that we're, we're dead keen for our little lad to get into some kind of sport, and I am very much pushing the football angle. But because of where we live, my wife is very much pushing the. Well, what about tennis? What about cricket? What about lacrosse? It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. No, football. Make a lot more money if you're good at football. Well, let's not turn it into a financial pressure. Are you fucking kidding me? If you've seen the state of the economy, it's 100% about... Yeah, it's our only chance is... (laughs) It's if my boy... The problem is you're in Lancashire. If you were in Yorkshire... He could happily talk about not wanting the black ones to win in cricket <laughs> and it would be encouraged. I, I don't know enough about that situation to comment. Uh, well, well I, I know all about racism in Yorkshire, but not, not specifically about cricket. Get off the fence, Dave. Pick a side. <laughs> well, on Saturday, the, the black ones won, which is to say the black and whites which is to say that's their home kit, but they weren't wearing it on the day, but <laughs> which is to say that's my link. Uh, so that's seamless. Uh, yes, I mean, there's been a couple of games since we last spoke. There was the Bournemouth game, which was 1-1, which I don't know about you guys, but I felt like after quite a long period of, but as it stood uh, before Saturday in the Fulham game, we had one one game. When people were when people were trying to say that the season's going quite well, people would say we've only lost one game. And when people were trying to say the season's going quite badly, they would say we've only won one game, and the rest had been all draws. And uh, the Bournemouth one-one at home felt to me like the first draw that didn't really we didn't have any excuses. There were no bad refereeing decisions from what I can remember. Mm. It was just quite an underwhelming performance. Is that how it you remind, remember? It reminded me of, um, do you remember under Pardew when we played, I think it was Brendan Rodgers' Swansea at the time. Swansea mm. had all the possession and just didn't look like scoring. I think there was some Swansea fans at the time just said, we've been found out here. And we felt like that. We just, there was very little in the way of end product. It was, I think a lot of our kind of front, what would you call it, five or six, were just very frustrating and out of ideas. But I think that's what we're going to face more now because teams like Bournemouth are going to come to St James's Park and just put all their men behind the ball and play on the counter. And it's not a new problem. We've not been good at breaking teams down for, I would say, at least a decade. Sure. 
I, th- I think that I think the big difference is though, and it's we can come on to it when we when we talk about the Fulham game. But the the things that we were lacking in the Bournemouth game were an experienced Premier League striker, uh, a difference maker on the flanks, and and a fully fit Bruno stringing the passes together, mm. and so we were getting in decent positions against Bournemouth but the the forward line just wasn't making the right movement at the time or and they weren't getting the runners from midfield um to be found so like it was a frustrating game the the Bournemouth one but to go to Fergus's earlier point about like it was a bad start versus a good start for me this season's going to be a transitional one, and as long as we're hitting like about forty-five points, I'm I'm fine with that because the performances have been good. The, we've been just lacking that like final ball or that final person to put it in the, the back of the net, and we've got them coming back from injury. So it's not like we're going to have to wait until January to get them. So the Bournemouth game, yes, it was frustrating, but Isaac scored. We could have won it. We did have opportunities, and their keeper was on fire. So it's good. Let's, let's talk about the Fulham game because that's more fun, and it's certainly fresher in my memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, you watched it? Yeah, it was. It's hard to know how convincing a win it was just because of how early the sending off was. But I think Fulham. I didn't have high hopes going into this game just because of how well Fulham have started and the Mitrovic factor. But we we were all over them. I think they're a far less well defensively drilled team than Bournemouth. I think our midfield as well. There's a, I think if you look at our midfield, the three of them, I don't think if we're trying to break teams down, we can afford to play Willock and Joel Linton together. I think they're both perfectly suited to counter-attacking against bigger teams and running with the ball but there's no there's no kind of craft there no ingenuity it's all it's all kind of box-to-box running whereas I think Longstaff made a bit of a difference and Bruno having that extra game back from injury looked that much sharper I thought Willock had quite a good game but, uh... yeah I was going to say Willock no, had a good game against Fulham but I'm saying like I think as a team Joel Linton and Willock are both really ideally suited to counter-attacking. I don't think you can have... I think if you have both of them in your midfield three, it's harder to break teams down when they've got a low block because you're having to thread passes through little gaps. I think Longstaff's better suited to that than either of those two. I think Mm. there was five minutes in the second half where Willock looked like Pele. (laughs) He was just sort of (laughs) running through players. You just kind of think... it's, It's a shame. Him and Longstaff... They both have those moments where they look amazing, but I don't know if it's possibly an age thing. They just seem unable to find it consistently. Yeah, there was there was a couple of pods ago where I think you were asking where's the where's the Joe Willock that put like scored seven in a row? I think we're starting to see I mean, not that good, but we're starting to see the best version of Joe Willock reemerge. Like mm. the runs he was making against Fulham. Yes, it was impressive that he was going past player, but for me it was more about the timing of it and the the positions he was taking. Because I might be misremembering because I had it on 
Like I, I watched it again, like after, you know the whole match again, and I, 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 I'm sure there were a couple of occasions where had Fraser or Murphy not touched the ball, Joe Willett would have been clean through. And yeah, there was Fraser's disallowed. They, Fraser's disallowed goal, where him and Joe Willock were basically next to each other, but Fraser was offside. Mm. And, and just... Willock, sorry, Willock was going to score until Wilson put it away. And I, I think, I think Willock had a really good game. I don't think he had a good game. I think, I don't know if that was his header. I'm not sure if it was going in. It was a pretty poor header by the standards. But I think you're right. The posi- to get in the position for that, he's definitely looking more of an attacking threat. I think he definitely had a good game against Fulham. I think it's more about the balance of that midfield when we need to break teams down. I prefer having Longstaff and Bruno, or Shelby and Bruno. Hmm. We've touched on it a little, but it it was, you'd have to say, uh, the, the main event in the game was the red card that Fulham got very, very early on, which hmm. makes it a very difficult match to to have a fair full assessment of where we are right it's just it is what it is um quick question i'll ask both of you dave first was it a red card for you on the red side of orange yeah paul probably again i don't really know so it's that pressure to have a definitive answer. When, why are you on a football podcast yeah. then? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know about football. Why are you on a football podcast? I, I, I've heard convincing arguments for both sides, and I haven't got, I'm not going to bring in the, the insight into which is right. So well, I'm, I'm going to stay about, in my lane and say I'm glad. I'm just going to talk about like I talk about everything, just with vibes, just vibes based. Yeah. For me, because I, I guess I am a true sort of like, Man, <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'm going to yeah. sit forward to this one. Go on, yeah. All because either. I am like a true sort of man's man from another era. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. For me, that's not a red, but genuinely yeah. because of the football that I grew up watching, and because of how you played the game, I guess as well. Because of how I played the game, not touching the ball, but kicking people. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that. If that tackle had happened without VAR, it's a yellow. I think if that tackle had happened 10 years ago, it's a yellow. But it was dangerous. It was standing foot. His studs were up. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a bad decision or anything. I just, you know, I think we have a long way away from what I see at like. You know, if it was higher, then that's a total red. But I'm like, just... uh, yeah, we have seen that exact same tackle from Fabian Share a few times on opposition players, and it's not resulted in a red. But I think no, once it, it go, once it goes to VAR, it has to be the yeah, red. Yeah. yeah, but that's I think one of the big things with VAR is that they freeze the frame, and a, any tackle looks bad when you've freeze the frame even tackles where it's you know he's got the ball it, it still looks bad because of the mm. frame they've frozen on honestly I, i've seen him given is the only way i can respond to that and we got one this time what was interesting is that fulham didn't then uh, sit in a low block 
and just try and cling on desperately. They 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 were so easy to play through, so easy. We played well, but they didn't make it particularly hard for us. No, I don't think they've really got that in their wheelhouse, though, if you look at how they started the season. I think you compare mm. them, looking back to the Bournemouth game again, is it O'Neill, their manager? Gary O'Neill. He's like They are already suddenly very well-drilled Bournemouth. Fulham, mm. I don't think Fulham are defensively well-drilled in any way. I don't think Silver's teams ever are. Fulham well, are the sort of club that like talk about their philosophy. <laughs> well, well-drilled defensive teams don't talk about their philosophy. No, you can hear Sean Dyche talking about his philosophy. <laughs> um, I do think they were missing that Paulina. Oh yeah, and um, I think he was a big miss. And obviously, Mitrovic went off after about what thirty-five minutes. I think that was a big miss for them. But even before the the red card, we'd already had a couple of opportunities and. Um, Wilson yeah. had hit the post. So yeah. without the still, red card, I, I still would have made us favourites to win that game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wilson uh, came back for the first time in five games and 11 minutes in, scored a goal. That was nice, wasn't it, Dave? I, I'm excited to see him. Like, I'm excited to see him playing on the same pitch as St. Maximum, Isaac, Bruno. That those that, like Trippier, that that supply line for someone like Callum Wilson, who will get you, I don't know, one in two, one in three. It's just that he never stays fit. Well, um, seeing as you say that, we're going to have a break, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read you a question from Twitter and you can think about it over the break. Uh, Jake Sampson says, how do you fit Isak and Wilson in the same team? Or do you? Now, I know you're chomping at the bit to answer that, but we're going to have a break and we'll be back in a moment. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm still here with Paul Doolan and Dave Watson. Now, if you were with us for the the first part, then you will remember that I left you on quite the cliffhanger. It was a message from Jake Sampson. He said, how do you fit Isak and Wilson in the same team? Or do you? Paul, what do you think? Well, at the moment, fate seems to be intervening to not make that a problem with neither of them being fit at the same time. I think there'll be... I mean, with Callum Wilson's injury record, what we've got with Isaac that's useful is someone who can play in exactly that same role and challenge him as well as playing out wide. I think probably if all our players are fit, which I'm not sure will happen this season, the front three is probably 
guaranteed to be Maxi on the left, Wilson up front, and then either Isaac or Almiron on the right. I think that's how you fit him in. I think he can play out wide. Makes sense to me, but Almiron, Dave, is, I mean, after Saturday, is he undroppable? Is he the best player in the Premier League now? Jack Grealish will Jack be eating his words. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think that I think we're in the, the fortunate position where we could make changes to our first eleven, depending on who we're facing, um, to pose different problems to them. And I think that having Isak out wider. Um, Rather than in the centre, could certainly him and him and Alan St. Maximum running out players, running at the defence, moving into the pockets. Yeah, it's it's a threat, especially when you've got Callum Wilson occupying them. Yeah, so you could do that. You can also play with, like, say for example, that we do come up against a low block with a physical team. It might be worth playing um, Isaac and St. Maximum as almost like a interchangeable front two and resting Callum Wilson until later in the game. And that, that that would then like draw defenders out. It would occupy the centre midfielders and pull pull that team, that, that organized shape, that organized low block, pull them around, make them cause make them make mistakes. Um so I think we've got good options. So yeah, you could play them both. You could play them independent of each other. You've got some radical ideas there. But, you know. I worry that Chris Wood's listening to this bit being like, oh, I'm going to get a mention. They're all about the forward <laughs> options. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. What, what I do think is interesting is we'll be in January, because I do think we'll try and strengthen again, where we strengthen. Because if we go off and sign like, um, like James Madison, for example, I don't think we will, but if we go off and try and get him, the shows we're trying to fill that right-hand side, which is where I would automatically put Isaac if you were playing a front three. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, I don't know. Be interesting. Why don't we buy Haaland? Why don't we buy Haaland? Buy Haaland. But I think as well, if you have a front three that includes St. Maximin and Wilson, it's it's quite rare, I think, the number of times both of them are fit to start. So I think hmm. I think yeah. Isaac in his first season will get plenty of starts without necessarily being first choice in that front three. Yeah, it may well be a problem that doesn't arise all that much. Um, but we should talk about Almiron and we should particularly talk about his, uh, well, he scored two goals, but his volley. Where do you rank that volley Dave, in the up there with the best goals in the Premier League era for Newcastle? Is it top 10? No. You don't think it's top 10? No. Right. And the, the, the reason I've got is fucking stupid. But the reason I've got is because aesthetically it isn't as nice as some goals that have been scored which required less skill. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's legitimate. So what he did, unbelievable talent, but I'd much prefer... Shit, do you remember Demba Bar scored one where Kabai, like, Kabai or Toyota strung a long pass 
bar ran on, it came over his shoulder and he finished it with a stronger foot when he was in the center of the goal. And it was just a great goal. That looked fucking beautiful. Right. Almiron's, because it was like tighter, a tighter angle, there wasn't a hang in the air as he like deftly lobbed it over. It was just a good finish. And because it was slightly obscured by other defenders around. It, it wasn't as I do know, pretty. It wasn't a prettier picture. I do understand what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, uh, Shearer's volley versus, not versus Everton, his his one versus uh, Villa. Yeah. Which oh, was yeah. And not sort of side foot volley. But yeah, it was, he, he did it differently, but it was from a not too dissimilar angle. Mm-hmm. I thought it, was as good as that, but maybe didn't look as pretty for the reasons it just said. But with, I, 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 but you know the the technique to do that with the outside of the. I mean, he was always going to hit it with his left. It was interesting. Right. It's quite hard to see. First time, I wasn't really sure how he'd scored. I don't know if yeah. you saw the the club Twitter account put a video out showing it from every angle. Yeah, it was about mm. four minutes long. <laughs> but the longer you watch that the better the finish looks and the better the assist from Bruno looks. I thought it was a really good finish. There's The movement of his left leg, I think, elevates it aesthetically to sort of being up there with some of Lauren Robert's pile drivers. It's sort, there's a weird flick and it, it sort of looks like he's got three knees in his left leg. It's sort <laughs> of like Meccano leg. It's just a really weird whip and a flourish to it. And I think it's one of those goals that I've not seen from another player, which I think raises it. Like yeah. the sort of thunder bastards from outside the box. We've seen plenty of those. Hmm. He's like Almiron. He's, I think he's got three goals this yeah. season in the league. He scored a lot in preseason, and he's managed mm-hmm. to continue that into the league. Is I think we've we've only played eight games so far. The frustrations. The same frustrations are there. It was getting mentioned a lot about him being on the right and being so dependent on his left that, that he's not putting the ball in. But this is probably his best period of form for us, would you say? Yeah. He's been here quite a while. I would wonder if the absence of St. Maximum is, is benefiting him. Right. Because... He, he's more he's more likely to receive the ball than than Murphy or Fraser is, um, but he's certainly less likely than St Maximum is. I think he and Gumiersh and Trippier on the right have a really good understanding of when to make the runs, when to take, like when to be the third point of the triangle and stuff like that. I think those two have got those three have got a really good understanding. I like him. He works really fucking hard. He's scored a couple of outstanding goals but the amount of times he gets into a good position and then just rolls it back to Trippier or the amount of times where he just fails to put in a cross when it, it seems it seems like the easiest fucking thing in the world to do I, I think this this right now is his peak yeah he was very frustrating against Bournemouth because it was just that thing of checking inside onto his left foot and you know he's going to do that but there's been plenty of great players in the Premier League who have been one-footed and you know what they're going to do but it's like like Robin 
still doesn't mean you can stop them doing it. And it feels like he's now he's finding a bit of end product as well as all the defensive endeavour. I think he's crucial to our pressing system. Uh, he's such mm-hmm. a good presser. And I think that thing, I think he's been a bit unlucky before with previous personnel and the previous manager. And I think he's always made intelligent runs, but he's been offside a lot because nobody's found the pass to him quickly enough or no one's read what he's going to do. But I think Bruno and him seem to have that sort of innate understanding. He's a different player, but um, he can. He does remind me a bit of Perez. In that yeah. Sort of, um, never lacks for effort. Kind of, you know, a little little guy running a lot. You know. <laughs> yeah, who's unpopular with a big section of the fan base yeah. sometimes for making sort of what seem like basic mistakes. But we, general, we've criticised as well. well. Like I could see it. I could see it turning. Uh, if you weren't going through this period of form, I could see it turning. But I think in general, he's well liked by the fans because of the like, cheeky little face. I think because of his face, yeah. Because of his like way past his bedtime face. <laughs> I think if <laughs> he like looked when... if he looked moody, I think we'd have sold him by now. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see even when he had a goal chalked off for offside against Fulham, which would have completed his hat trick? He was still smiling. Yeah. Like if I, if, I think if, he smiles like, um, I mean, I'm getting psychological now, but you know, bring it. Ronaldinho always used to smile. Mm-hmm. And I saw an interview with him once, him saying he's always angry on the pitch. Ronaldinho, he'd like, it's anger that drives him. And the smile is like, you know, Jose Mourinho, when he's at his angriest, he smiles because it's mm. that wry smile. Like, I'm going to fucking get you for that. Yeah, yeah, like, almost enjoying the opportunity to rub it in your face later. Well, I don't know it's that. I think it's, like, Marino's it's, smile. It's a ride, like, this country <laughs> kind of smile. I think, I think it's a very intense smile. I think we've hit the nail on the head on here before when we said, it's the smile of someone who wants to start a fire. Right. <laughs> Um, and uh, to my surprise, Jacob Murphy got a start. Yeah, that didn't, didn't seem on the cards. Uh, you know, I would have thought there'd be other people further ahead of him in the queue. I've through for the last couple of years, I've probably been possibly outside his family, his greatest defender. <laughs> <laughs> On earth. I've always I always had high hopes for Jacob Murphy because I always felt like he made things happen, but uh, it rarely does produce a final result, does it? He had a fairly decent game, I thought. Uh, he's getting a lot of game time. Eddie Howe clearly rates him, so he must be doing something right in training. I thought he had a good game, but there was a moment, I think I said on the WhatsApp, in the first half, he managed to dribble the ball off himself and then fall over on his ass at one point, which was it was, it was almost as impressive as when Joe Linton shot and hit his own face. I think his current form is playing himself into a move to a newly promoted Premier League side next season. I think he's he's just shooing for Forest in January. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him Fucking coming up out. with Norwich. Mm. 
like he's he's a nice guy uh, by all accounts, and he's a Newcastle fan and has been from his from his childhood. But I just I think he alongside you know Fraser and uh, Almiron, uh, these are players that we're going to leave in the the background pretty quickly. Okay, I'm going to go to social media now. Oh, go on. I've got um, I'm going to, a couple of questions I'm going to ask together. Um, Tyne Thames says, uh, Fernandez just said our first trophy could come sooner than we all reckon. What Fernandez? Which Fernandez? Federico Fernandez? Federico. Why is he going around telling everyone about when the trophies are coming? <laughs> here, here, right? <laughs> Who's I mean, trawling through Freder- Federico Fernandez interviews? Kid, come like, here. That must be. Like, wait, where's that? I'm pretty sure he wasn't on Graham Norton. <laughs> 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 so where that was would, that? Where? That would be quite a fuck up of a booking. Um, and Tyne James says, Fernandez. <laughs> he says, How far will we go in cup competitions this season? And at the same time, I'll say, Phil Huntsman says, would you rather Newcastle finish in the top six or England win the World Cup? I think I would rather top six. Dave? I don't really care about international football that much. Yeah, I, I think the type of people who would be celebrating the most after an England win are the type of people I want to be miserable for the rest of their lives. Mm. Um, so... And plus, fucking no! Of course, I want Newcastle to do better. I'm, I'm a Geordie, not an Englishman. Right. Well, um, for me, it would be by a long way England winning the World Cup because I'm like, I mean, I understand Paul. Paul uh, supports Scotland more than England, anyway, right? So it's a bit different for him. And like, I understand you, Dave. You see it differently. But I've seen Newcastle finish top six, like. Loads of times, <laughs> just be like, "Oh right, okay, top six. Oh, that's good. We've had a good season." I've never seen England win the World Cup. I <laughs> think that would be fun. Yeah, but England win the World Cup. Sure, you have a seen, good day I've out. Seen, I've never seen a team. Sorry, say that again. England win the World Cup. You have a good day. Newcastle get top six. That's Europa League. We could be going to Frankfurt. We could be going to Mulder. And also, put it this way, say say England were to get to the World Cup final and lose, I could have a good day out in Ireland, Wales, Scotland, pretty much any other other of the United Kingdom um, territories. What and if England win the World Cup, you will, you will never be able to go to outside of England again. No, my my point is that the celebrations for England winning the World Cup in England would be matched by the the celebrations for them not winning in those yeah, other I'm territories. With, I'm with David. The England fans make it fine with me when England lose. It's yeah. always like there's always a silver lining to whatever. I understand. Say. I understand what you mean about that. But like I have, and I, I think it's the same for both of you. I have never seen a football team that I support lift a trophy. No. Uh, do you not I've remember? Seen, the, uh, oh no, the Intertoto uh, Cup. All right, lift a trophy after a match that was playing for that fucking trophy. The championship. Championship. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> 
What what was that? What was that um, trophy we won where the trophy was just a fucking bridge, and Colaccini held it up? Oh, I don't know. Was... I'm guessing a pre-season one. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I'd like to see a team I support win something. So would I. But if Newcastle finished top six the next season, they could win the Europa League. Which means they would get into the Champions League, right? We've been in... This is the, That's the other thing that I don't like about modern football. This is what I don't like about modern football. Is there's so much talk, and we're going to get into it now with top six, but there's like teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and Spurs. For a whole season, they're talking about, are we going to get top four? Are we going to get top four? And then it's like... And they're like celebrating wildly that they got top four. It's not a trophy. It's just top four. I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, it means something. It but means England, the my country, my country, yeah. in the World Cup. I don't know how you've turned into Roy Keane, but also been <laughs> vehemently pro-English. That wasn't it's not a trophy. It's not a trophy. So put it put it a different way. Would I rather finish top six or win the League Cup? I'd rather win the League Cup. Right. Yeah. What about finish us finish top six or England win the League Cup? I just like England games. Uh, I'm indifferent to. I just like the hype of a tournament, and that yeah. sort of good if England do well. But I'm not that fast. When it comes to international football, I just want um, the migrant workers to get home safe. Oh God, here he comes, Mister <laughs> Mister Woke Newcastle United fan. Mr. When we had a podcast to talk about the takeover. Okay, that's done now. Can we never talk about it again? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go to the next question. Uh, John M says, how likely is it we'll overcome that awful phenomenon of mid-table sides having good managers slash players leaving for better opportunities, thinking about how an England, Bruno and every team in the world etc do you think that's going to be a problem us being seen as a sort of stepping stone for our, our very best no I don't think that's a that's going to be a massive issue there, there will be times where Real Madrid Man City or whoever come in and take one of our better players but no where the thing that's most attractive to footballers is like when the club is sold as planning to do better, to get into Europa League, to get into the Champions League, to challenge for the title. And the owners of this club want us to be huge. They want us to be challenging for the title. So the ambition's there. The money's going to be there. The other players are going to be there. So no, I don't think we're going to be a stepping stone in the same way as Southampton, Leicester, Aston Villa, all of that lot, no? Yeah, the other side to that, I mean, some of the, it would depend on their age and stuff, but for some of the players, I mean, how long is that? How long before we're actually winning a title? Yeah, it, it depends would, how quickly we grow as a club, club I think, because mm. we, we can't match the wages of the top Premier League clubs or top European clubs. And if we finish sort of eighth, but Sven Botman has an amazing season... Real Madrid come in and say, do you want to triple your wages and win a league? Then any sure. footballer would go for that. But I think we're not in the position well, we used to That's better than be. top six. That's better than winning the World Cup. 
<laughs> but I think we're not in the position we were with players like Kabai, where it's you know they're going to go. Yeah, they're not. They're not jo- like new players to Newcastle United aren't joining us because they can play a couple of seasons here and then be guaranteed a move to Arsenal. They're joining us to do something with us. Yeah, I accept that. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like, I think the injection of money and facilities off the field means it's not. It's not going to be like Brighton, where for like off-field things, moving clubs are a better opportunity. Mm. I should have asked this question when we actually talked about it, um, but so we won't go on particularly much more about it, about it. But John Tilly says, "Is Miggy good? Feels like he's improved so much this season, but is he good enough to be in a Europa League competing starting eleven? He's so hard not to love. It's really hard to judge." I think there was a really good... Do you follow, is it YI Scout yeah. on Twitter? He did a really good piece before the Fulham game on the improvements Almiron's made under Howe, which is quite interesting. He is He's getting more touches in the box now. and He is more of an attacking threat. I think the talent's always been there, but the problem's been he's been a number 10 who's never been played as a number 10 for us. Hmm. But it feels like work has gone on in the training ground to actually acclimatise him to playing as a right forward rather than just play him there and hope he learns how to do it. Yeah, John Tilly's question was, is he good enough for Europa League chasing? Yeah. Yes, he is. So uh, our next game is at home against Brentford on Saturday. What do you think? Where are Brentford at at the minute? They're sort of like... They feel like they're drawing a lot. They feel very similar to Bournemouth. Or us. Yeah. True. They have, they have, of course, got Ivan Tony. They are... Oh, we're seventh and Brentford are tenth. They're only a point behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at home. That's got to count for something, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think not only are we at home, but uh, if I've... If what I've read is true, then St. Maximum is edging closer to fitness and he might be, because he was like 50-50 for the Fulham game, so he might be like 75-25 for the Brentford game. Um, I after, after that win against Fulham, because it was so dominant, um, I, I fancy us to, to step it up against Brentford. It, we might only well, win like 2-1. They had a player sent off five minutes in. We'd already hit the bar by that point, and the way that we carved through them, I don't think that was entirely down to them being bad and down to 10 men. I think that was because we played really well and we've got the talent in, you know, Willock, St. Max, uh, Willock, Gumieris, and all the rest of it to get through teams like Brentford, Fulham, and all the rest of it, like the stodge in the middle of the Premier League. I think we've got the players to get through them now. And our defence is decent, so, yeah. How long is Isak out for? Is it? Uh, well, he could be back at the weekend, they're not sure. So we could see the Isak Wilson St Maximum question. I don't think Almiron will get dropped after Fulham. No. no. Do you want to give us a score prediction, lads? I'm going to go 2-0. No. I reckon Wilson brace 2-0. 
I would feel a lot more confident if we were playing away. This sort of feels like it's going to be Bournemouth all over again, but with a much better striker and a much more dangerous counter-attack. I'm going to go one all. I was going to go one one. Just very, just very quickly. Yeah, it's just that Brentford don't have a particularly good defence. So yeah. they do, who did they draw nil nil against at the weekend? Uh, the Wolves or mm, who did they draw? Bournemouth. They drew nil nil with uh, Bournemouth. Okay, well, take from that what you will, and uh, there's no point really predicting anything because what'll be will be. Am I right, guys? Someone's someone's taking the England firework out of his ass. He's got, he's got to take him. He's got to be on the plane. He's got to be on the plane. I'm sorry, but Southgate is just uh, he's not an England manager. He's just not. I think that's what annoys me more as well. I'm so fed up of hearing about England by the time England get to a tournament. And they're just ungrateful to be there. Mm. Like, um, yeah. Compare it to Scotland, that. where you're just like, there's no expectation on us to win. And they're just glad to be there. I hate England chat. It's like our last two tournaments, we've got to a final and a semi-final. The World Cup and the Euros is like easily the best two tournaments of my life watching England. But like... Tell that to Danny Baker. Yeah, you would think that it's like an absolute... It's like the same level of... uh, This is a disgrace chat as when we lost to Iceland. It's like... Yeah. Some people just don't want to be happy. They just don't want to be happy. Exactly. Can I? I'm one of them. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, we'll leave that there. Oh, by the way, buy my book. You probably haven't made it to the end of the podcast because I uh, tailed off and got quite boring. But um, my book came out today. It's called Murder at Crime Man. I buy it. I've bought it. Dave's bought it. Got the last one for free. Yeah, I've got All the right. audiobook. I can help, Fergus. <laughs> well, give you, what's it selling for right now on Amazon? The old book. Whatever it, well, I don't know. I don't know, about eight quid. My son needs new shoes, Dave. I'll fucking PayPal you eight quid, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay. We'll get, I was, we'll I Ian McEwen doesn't get this. <laughs> Uh, right okay well that's what we'll call the podcast then <laughs> I'll pay pal you you can't <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll leave it there thank you very much it's been a pleasure um, thank you Dave Watson thank you Fergus thank you Paul Doolan thank you Fergus thank you to you the Newcastle NASA listener goodbye if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.